This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we appreciate those of you who may be watching today. We appreciate those that watch every time we come on the air. Thank you so very much. Now today, we're going to be discussing this topic, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Please stay tuned as we discuss that with you today. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. We'd like for you to avail yourself of the opportunity to learn more about the course and how you can receive it. We're going to pause now for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Let me read to you now from the book of Job, chapter 5, verse 17 through verse 19. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. There are some people who think no one cares about me. Even David, the man after God's own heart, felt that way on one occasion. He wrote in Psalms 142 and verse 4, No man cared for my soul. And there may be someone watching right now who feels that way. Maybe you've gone through some terrible experience in your life something that was earth-shattering to you, and you feel that nobody really cares about you. So sometimes we, as we grow older, we, we, we feel that the world is passing us by and that other people no longer care about us or notice us or even, even notice that we're living anymore. But may I assure you of one thing. God cares. God cares about you. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, he said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Now that's a promise of God. That he will never leave you. That he will never forsake you. You see, God cares about you. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all of your care on Him, for He cares for you. We can take all of the frustrations of life, all of the anxieties of life, 
all of the difficulties of life and we can cast those on the Lord because God cares about us. He wants us and he wants to help us with the burdens and the difficulties of life. God cares about you. So never feel that you are alone. Never fear that you are unwanted. And never fear that no one cares about you. Because you see, God is the one who cares. Now, the text that I have just read to you from the book of Job is a, is a great promise. And from the fifth chapter of Job, we learn that God indeed does care about us. For example, God cares about our physical needs. Look in verse 20. He says, In famine he shall redeem you from death, in war from the power of the sword. In verse 22, You shall laugh at destruction and famine, and you shall not be afraid of the beast of the earth. You see, God cares for the physical needs that we have. I refer you back to Psalms 37 in verse 25 where David said, I've been young and now I am old, but I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God will take care of you. When God's people were in the wilderness and they were hungry, God fed them with manna from heaven. And God takes care of our needs today. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, Jesus said not to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Jesus said, after all of these things, do the Gentiles seek? But he said, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. It's comforting to know that God knows the needs that we have before we ever ask. And then he says, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Uh, what things? The things that are necessary for the sustaining of life. Things that are necessary to live every day. Our food, shelter, our clothing. God will take care of you. Now, that doesn't mean that God will give us everything our heart desires. God will give us our necessities. The Apostle Paul said, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. And I've often thought that anything outside of food and raiment is not a necessity, but is a luxury. Food is a necessity. Clothing is a necessity. And God will provide our physical needs. In uh, James 1.17, we're told that every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything that we need, God is capable of supplying. In Psalms 103 and verse 2, out of a heart of gratitude, the psalmist wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. 
God cares about you. And he will take care of your physical needs. And God will also take care of your physical, in time of physical danger. Notice verses 20 and 21 again. In famine he shall redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You see, when physical danger comes, God will take care of you. He is the God who can calm the storm. You remember in Act 27, Paul was on his way to Rome. He was on a ship and there was a storm that arose and the sailors were afraid. They were afraid for their lives. And yet Paul said, be of good cheer. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. What were you told, Paul? I was told that there would be no loss of life. I was told I was going to Rome. Be not afraid. God will indeed take care of you in the storms of life. And when the worst happens, you can rest assured that God is there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why not fear evil? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, God cares about you and will take care of you, not only in time of physical need, but in time of physical danger. But God will take care of you when you're criticized. Notice verse 21 again. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. You know, criticism, destructive criticism, hurts. It hurts. And sometimes the, even the best of us are criticized by the worst of us. Criticized. Jesus was criticized. He was criticized because he associated with publicans and sinners. And so it, regardless of who we are or where we are, who we might be, whatever position we might hold in life, somewhere along the way, you're going to get your share of criticism. And I want you to know that in time of criticism, God cares about you. Oh, it hurts. Of course criticism hurts. In Proverbs 26, it was Solomon who said that the words of a talebearer are like wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. That is, they go into your heart and they hurt you in the heart. Have you ever been hurt because someone said things about you that were not true? Somebody said some things about you that hurt you in your soul to the depths of your being. You need to know God cares about you. We're going to be criticized in life. You ever wondered why people are like that? You say, well, I, I, I know of lots of people that are they're just critical. They're always finding fault with things and they're always criticizing. Hey, have you ever wondered why people do that? Let, let me suggest just, just a few reasons why I believe people are so critical. I think one reason people are critical is because they take some kind of delight 
and tearing you down. It just makes them so happy if they can tear you down. Don't allow that to happen. God is going to take care of you. I think another reason people are always critical, they just find fault with everything, they complain about everything, they murmur about everything, is they're compensating for their own feeling of low esteem. They really don't feel good about themselves. And if they can tear you down and make you feel as low as they feel, then they feel justified in doing it. I think another reason people are critical is because that, that's to take the spotlight off of themselves. Now, you just think about it. If I can criticize you, and if I can cause people to start looking your way, I may be criticizing you for the very same fault that I have in my life, but so long as I can criticize you and get other people looking at you, then they don't look at me and they don't see the faults in my life. That's the reason I say that I think people are critical, to take the spotlight off of themselves. They know there are things in their lives that are, that are worthy of criticism, maybe even justified criticism. But, but they, they, they don't want that. They want somebody else to be criticized so they will not be. I think another reason that people are critical is because of sheer delight. It, it just delights them to be able to tear somebody down, to criticize them. But let me tell you what Jesus taught about criticism. Jesus said in the seventh chapter of Matthew, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And then Jesus said, Now, you're beholding your brother, and your brother has a speck in his eye. And he said, And then you come over here to get the speck out of your brother's eye, but that you do not see the moat or the big stick of wood sticking in your eye. And Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. He said, the first thing you need to do is to get the moat, and I, I would kind of equal that to a little speck of sawdust in your eye. Get that out of your eye. You're trying to get a speck of sawdust out of your brother's eye. The first thing you need to do is you need to get the moat or the stick of wood out of your own eye. You see, we sometimes are critical of people and criticize people because our motive in doing so is not pure. Now, there's such things as justified criticism, and, and you say, well, have you ever been criticized, Brother Lambert? Yes, I have. I've had people to, be, to give me some constructive suggestions, and you would probably call that criticism, but it was suggested to help me as a preacher. But then I've had some to criticize me, and I think it was just to discourage me and try to tear me down and to get me to stop doing what I'm doing. But that's the devil at work. You see, people do that type of thing because, number one, they, don't, they have too much time on their hands, and they're not using their time constructively. And secondly, they let the devil use their tongue.
Well, let me assure you, God is going to take care of you if you've been criticized. Well, God will take care of you when your world crumbles in. Now, let me read verse 21 and 22 again. You shall be hidden, hidden, hidden from the scourge of the tongue. You shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine and not be afraid of the beast of the earth. You see, God is going to take care of you when your world crumbles in. Sometimes we look at the world that we live in and and it just seems like everything that's been nailed down is coming loose. Sometimes it just seems like everything that we've ever thought was right and good and, and, and high and holy is just falling apart today. And, and sometimes we wonder, what, what in the world are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? Well, let me assure you that when, when it appears that our world is collapsing around us, when it appears that our world is falling apart, be assured that God will take care of you. I think right now there are people that have the jitters because they hear reports about people, nations that have nu- nuclear capability and what they can do with that nuclear capability. We hear about people that... Uh, that are wanting to kill Americans and that, that if they were able to get into our country and infiltrate our nation, they would destroy, they'd take over this nation, they'd destroy a great number of us. You see, that causes us to be uneasy. Could, could I assure you today, could I assure you that regardless of what happens to our world, regardless of what happens to me physically, God in heaven will take care of you. He will take care of you. He'll take care of you now, and he can take care of you in the world to come. Christians are conquerors. Romans 8.37 says we are more than conquerors. We're involved in a struggle today. I admit that. I admit that we're involved in a war with spiritual wickedness in high places. We're involved in a war with Satan, with sin. And Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. And we just need to be good soldiers. But let me tell you how we're fighting that battle. We're not fighting that battle from a standpoint of defeat. Absolutely not. We're fighting the battle with all of the wickedness in our world from the posture of those who are victors in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. If the Lord be for us, who can be against us? Nobody, nobody can be against us. Not all of the kingdoms of the world can be against us. If God is for us, God will take care of you in time of world trouble when the world around you seems to be falling apart. Because it might seem sometimes that the devil is in the saddle. 
but God is still on the throne. And God will take care of you in, when you have some domestic, in the midst of domestic tranquility. Look at verse number 24. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You'll visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. Well, he's talking about your dwelling, your, your home. And you see, because of God, you can have peace. Peace. He's referred to as the God of peace. In Philippians 4, verse 9, the God of all peace. And we can have the peace of God, Philippians 4, 7. And if there's one th place where there ought to be peace, tranquility, it, it ought to be in our homes. And we can have that peace. And we need to pray that there be peace in the world. One of the things that we're taught to pray for in 1 Timothy chapter 2 is that we will, that we will have, pray for those that are rulers that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. Christians ought to be praying for peace today. Rather than marching in the streets, rather than carrying placards, rather than being ugly on social media, we need to be praying for peace. Pray for peace. Pray for peace in this world. And when you pray, the God of heaven is going to hear you. Our God is a peaceable God. He is the God of peace. The first thing we better do is to make peace with him. Man is at war with God because he has rebelled against God. Then you need to make peace with God. Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the very next chapter, Paul explains how we make that peace with God through obedience to the gospel by believing in Jesus and, and, and as being baptized into Christ, into his death. And is in his death he shed his blood. That's where we contact his blood by faith is in baptism. And then we arise to walk in the newness of life. We have had our sins cleansed when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. We make peace with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and God is going to see that we have a, can live a life of peace. I believe that every Christian, I believe that every preacher ought to be a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And that's spelled P-E-A-C-E, -E, not P-I-E-C-E. -E. There are too many of those kind of peacemakers in our world who are causing disruption, who are causing disunity, who are causing disharmony in our communities across the land. We need to rise up as one man and pledge before God, I want to bring peace in this world. More than any other thing, I want there to be tranquility in our world. Domestic tranquility. God is going to take care of you in the midst of all of the confusion in our world, and there can be peace. And God will take care of our family. Notice verse number 25. You shall also know that your descendants shall be many. And your offspring 
like the grass of the earth. Oh my goodness. That's a lot of children, isn't it? That's a lot of descendants. But you see, you, you can rest assured right now, God is going to take care of your family. You know, if you have a good family, how blessed you are. If you were reared by godly parents, how blessed you are. I was reared by a father and mother who were godly people. I had other people in my life who loved me that were godly people. How blessed I was to be reared in the, under the influence of those kinds of people. And God is going to take care of you and you take care of your family. And we can have the kind of a home that God wants us to have by just following His Word. That's just, just that simple. You say, well, I don't agree with everything that preachers say about the family today because I have my ideas about it. But, but we're not concerned. It's not about what you think and it's not about what I think. It's about what God teaches in His Word. And He said, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Ephesians 5.22, it said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The Bible says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And if there is a weakness in the homes of America, it is in teaching our children the sacred principles of God. And then next, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. We need to teach our children the right things in life. And so God will take care of you. He will take care of your family. And he's going to take care of you in death. Notice verse number 26. You shall come to the grave at a Full age as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. If you've given your life to Jesus by believing in Him, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him by being baptized into Him, and you live that kind of a life, you live a life in Christ, you become involved in the Lord's church because He adds you to it when you're baptized into Christ. And then when it comes time to leave this world, God will take care of you. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you as my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.